It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. And I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. You know what this is. This is the one and only D-O-Double-G. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and Sports, hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, say what's happening, man? It's CIP, man. Hi, this is Jill Scott. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.botchtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant, radio. It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Monday, July 6th. I'm Donald Ware. Hope you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend and have been listening to these HBCU Football Daily Podcasts. I tell you what, we're almost uh, midway through. Uh, as we continue on today, we're going to take things to Columbia, South Carolina. There are two HBCUs in Columbia. We're going to go to Allen and talk with third-year head football coach Teddy Keaton here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. How are you, Coach Keaton? I'm doing well. In the midst of a pandemic, we're trying to keep the boat afloat. Yeah, no, un- understood, and I know it's tough for you. Now, I know when we spoke Last year, there had been some talk about perhaps um, making that move to the um, to the SIAC. I, I don't know how much COVID has played into some of those plans, but wh- where are things, you know, with that possible move to the SIAC? Oh, we're moving at, at, a, at a great speed. Everything was going well before COVID came along. Um, we'll hear something back here in early July on where we fall at in the process, and we're still trying to move forward. That's That's the goal. Yeah, what what has it been like? I mean, tell us about sort of the interactions and, uh, you know, what you've been able to do with your student athletes to sort of keep them engaged and to be able to communicate with them. Well, I, I've always been a guy of technology. I love technology. I try to stay ahead of the curve. So before the pandemic ever hit, we was already doing a lot of stuff through Microsoft Teams. We were having team meetings you know, doing, you know, study hall virtually, trying to get the kids adapted to a lot of the things that we didn't know that would push us to be into this sector, you know, a couple months after this. But we we try to stay ahead of the game and we use our huddle. We've been communicating all during the pandemic. We had our virtual study halls. We had our team meetings. We have my council meeting. I have a group of council kids that I collect as the leaders of the team and we talk once every Sunday we've talked about things from just life and how we want to go in the direction we want the team to go in the different things that you know that I like that I think that coaches led teams they're six and five or whatever but player led teams they end up becoming champions so you try to create leaders out of your players let me take you back to last year. What, first of all, what was your record in 2019? And then, you know, your thoughts uh, of the 2019 season. The 2019 was a case of ups and downs. We went three and six. 
a good three and six, if you ask me. But we left some games on the field where we may have made a few mistakes here and there and caused a difference in a ball game. Um, the only team that really blew us out, Brevard, had the, um, they were a senior-heavy D3 school. Um, the difference between us, we play a lot of um, pub PWIs, and, and you have to be very careful when you're playing because you have to not make a lot of mistakes. you got to be able to do things the right way on offense, defense, and special teams. And in some areas, we dropped the ball a few times. But the highlight of last year, we beat Clark Atlanta when we opened the season up. That was a quality win, and we ended on a good note. We beat um, Elizabeth City at Elizabeth City in rain, mud. And I think that was one of the goals of our team last year was to find a way to win on the road. I think that's the place where you start seeing growth in your kids. And I started seeing it on the back end of the season where they were, you know, starting to come together. We were gelling a little bit more. The mistakes that they wasn't making wasn't repeatedly. Um, they started doing things better, and it, and it kind of paid off for us to get that big win at the end of the season on the road in bad weather. You know, you began the 2020 season really – in 2019 and maybe the day after uh, your 2019 season was over, you were very busy in terms of that early recruiting period. You signed what in excess of 10 players, uh, a lot of those guys already having college football experience. I signed 15 guys at the break. We started in October and we went to work. I knew areas that we needed to get better in faster if we wanted to compete and stay healthy through the whole season. See, what happens at the beginning of the season at a lot of schools when you lack their depth, they start off strong and they start tapering off towards the end because of injuries or whatever else that may come into place. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get at least two deep at every position that you can rotate those guys enough that they get enough breaks that they don't wear themselves out or you lose a key player in a key position. So in order for me to make that transition fast, I have to take you back to when we started. We started this this program with all freshmen. For the first he brought in freshmen and sophomores. That this this last December here, I made sure I found a bunch of transfers and um you know, you know, players that had played JUCO or transfer. So now I added some senior leadership, some junior leadership with these kids that are now sophomores and juniors and keep the competition to a level where that they compete heavily with each other that now as you're a player, if I'm a starter and you know the guy behind you is not better than you, it doesn't push you to be the best that you need to be. But if I'm a starter and I got a guy behind me that can play and that third guy may still need some work to come up, now it keeps pressure that they want to compete and I can't fall off when I decide I don't want to play that weekend. Yeah, was it important? Uh, yeah, how important was it to bring in guys? Uh, because you mentioned going back a couple of years years ago, starting with, with all freshmen, how important – obviously it was important for you to bring in guys that had college football experience. Well, it's very important because with the transition and if we make it into Division Two, a, a lot of the schools get a lot of guys that are, you know, a lot of fallback players, a lot of guys that, you know, that can highly compete. We want to be able to compete when we're playing uh, 85% HBCU, you know, programs. We've got to be able to compete with those programs. And right now we're playing with the guys that are, at the, you know, mostly the lower end of the spectrum. We can't beat those guys and we can't compete with those guys 
then we know when we get to the top end of the spectrums that we're going to have to up our game a little bit more in order to compete with these guys and keep from getting blowed out every single weekend, even though, you know, a lot of people say they play the game to, to get better every week. But obviously I play the game to win. And if I want to win, I know I got to get the players to be able to compete with those teams. Noah Schumann was your quarterback uh, last year. He's going to be a senior this year. What are your expectations for him coming into 2020? Well, it's as it is every year, he's got to compete. Noah kind of was consistently inconsistent. Um, that's something that he got to get. And they can't blame it all on Noah. Um, I fired the whole offensive staff this year. Um, I brought in a whole complete new offensive staff. Uh, I thought it was important because I thought they was losing their side of the ball. And, and I think they had receivers and different things that made it hard for Noah to get better. So I, I think that if you can't get a player better, I think it's a coaching problem. So we had to change that. And, and Noah's going to have the chance to compete. But the bright spot there is the backup quarterback is Karon Johnson. He's the guy that's really, really has shown us a lot of promise. But again, because of his youth, he was not able to compete at a level that he needed to compete at. So we was hoping that Noah would be great, that K-Ron could grow these first two years. But K-Ron had to step in last year and actually did some really good things. Actually threw a, threw a couple good touchdowns against Clark Atlanta. He, he actually orchestrated Elizabeth City. He played a lot in the second half of the season. So Noah's got his work cut out for him. If he, With K-Ron being who K-Ron is, um, it's going to be hard for Noah. Noah's got to really work to make it work this year. Who are some of the other guys on offense that 2020? Uh, Dequan Brown, he's a guy that's really done well. So he transferred here from Newberry. He's done a really good job. Corinthian Cunningham from um, – um, he's from Evergreen, Alabama, but he played at, uh, in Kansas, the last chance you played. Um, I got a, another running back that I – I think that's really going to be good. Wallace, Wallace set out for us last year. He's going to be extremely good. Chase is going to be really good at wide receiver. Our offensive line has changed a little bit and got a little bigger in certain areas. Got a couple of freshmen that I think that's going to be able to play um, on defense. Um, I, I'm going to switch over to defense. That's where we've been really good at. We finished number one in an AIA the first year in overall defense and number two last year in overall in NAIA. Um, I think Kerry Thompson, he was a transfer from Mississippi State. He's going to do really – I got another safety that signed with the University of Kansas coming out of school and didn't go, and now he's here playing with me. He's been very, very – the five days we got to see him at practice during the spring, Kevin Pickens, um, who transferred from the University of South Carolina. And I think he's been really, really good-sized linebackers this year. We got guys – he's probably the biggest team I've ever coached. Um, John Quavius Benton. He's another guy that came in during this that that's that fall signing period. Um, Dewan Cease has been playing solid, and Richard Hayes has just been phenomenal. Taquan Thomas is back with us. He's our inside defensive tackle. He's done a really good job. I think we have added all the pieces that I think we need to be very successful this season. And what about special teams? What is that? What that? What does the special teams look like? The special teams going to look good because you was able to add depth. When you're able to add depth and you put guys on there that could naturally start and play and you got second teamers, you added more depth at linebackers, the guys who can run down and go make tackles that naturally do it. Last year we were kind of flip-flop with um, guys. We even – even Tansy's a return guy. We got Miles White back who had to sit out last year. Um, those guys are going to be excellent in the, the return game. I just think it's going to 
looked good all over. I wish we could have got through spring ball and I could have had a better synopsis of what we were doing and how we were doing it. So when when you're ready to return, uh, for you not having had spring ball like most, what does that look like? Like what are some of the things you implement to get your guys ready for the upcoming season? So right now we've just been working on what to do and how to do it um, and why it's important for them to do it that way. We've been working on video, teaching them the scheme, learning everything. We got all our new players in summer school that we signed. So everybody's in summer school right now online, and they're basically joined in on our huddle and our, our um, Microsoft team meeting. So they're learning the playbook so they can be ahead. I think the biggest challenge for every coach that's coming into this season is two challenges. One, getting them in shape. They've been on the couch since March, the early March. Um, yes, they have, might have been doing some running on their own. They might have been doing a little weight room lifting, but you know and I know that they don't put that much effort into it when nobody's over, not over their shoulders watching them to make sure they get it done. Um, the second thing is COVID-19. Um, a lot of people are shying away from it like it doesn't exist. Every day we see it comes up, comes up, and, and, and I and – I, well, take it a step further, I really, my personal opinion, I would almost at a small school like ourselves, I would not want to play because it's devastating. We don't have the money, the funds to have to test and test on a retesting as we've seen in some of these D1 programs. A lot of these kids have came and tested before they got there. Within a couple of weeks of being in workouts and volunteering workouts, they had to shut it down. And I think we're going to see a big, a big thing of that this year, if we even make it to the season, to the season, will we be able to finish the season? Yeah, I mean, are those – I mean, what kind of discussions that you're aware of are being had there at Allen University? I mean, is there, is that a possibility that um, you all may discuss uh, not playing in 2020? Absolutely not. Our president has been full-fledged on – doing what the, the, the conferences and everybody else wanted to do. So we have been in those those pockets, and we've been in – I'm talking about major planning, major detailing, major everything. But let's be real about this. When the CDC, DHEC, the president of the United States, the governors, the mayors, the local hospitals, nobody has a clue of what to do because this we're treading in uncharted territories. If there was a, a, a possible um, a, a, va- a vaccine for the, the disease, it would be probably okay. But when you're trying to make it up as you go, so there is no right or wrong way, the way it looks, it's just us. The people who's there who don't have any medical training, don't have any CDC guidelines. We just care about it. The guidelines are so broad that it's kind of hard. How can you social distance? in a sport that, that that's mainly in tackling and then everything else, it's starting to affect some of the D1 coaches. Um, you, we, we're not just talking about us talking about it, FCA, all the way down to our little you know group on campus, to how do we put them in a classroom, how do we get them to the field, how do we get them to the facilities, how do we play, how do we travel with the guidelines that cost more money for smaller institutions who don't have boatloads of money to sit over and say that I can pay every other week a hundred dollars for 115 kids. What if somebody shows up at your facility from the other team that might not have the funds or the money to be tested? They may bring it in. 
We got 21 cases. We can't test them every day. They go over to the residence hall. They affect the rest of your college. Now you got 200 people in quarantine. Yeah. No, I, it, I'm, I'm, I've been wondering myself, Coach Keaton, how we're going to play this season. I think everything you say is right on point. Lastly, I know where are you from a percentage standpoint in terms of a completed schedule for 2020? I'm at about 80%. The problem with us as an independent, we don't play a lot of the NAIA schools. And when you're in the process of trying to make the transition to Division II, you must have at least 50% of your schedule being Division II. However, when the Division IIs of the CIAA, the SIAC have met and really haven't discussed how they're going to go about this, they haven't let it say publicly what they're going to do. When the CIAA meet, which we play two of those teams, what are they going to come back and say, well, we're not traveling this year. We're going to only play conference games. Or the SIAC comes back and say, well, we're going to play this many games, and these are the games that we're going to play in the conference to get this done. Now, here's Allen stuck in the middle. I got two teams from that side, and I think one or two teams from the SIAC. That's four of my games out the door right there because I won't be considered as a game and, and that would be in their conference. Am I making sense? Makes sense. So until they make their decisions about what they're going to do within the conference, we have to wait and see how it does with the contract and does it work out for both parties that we can do this. Um, we could very well end up with a nine or ten game season, or we could end up on the sort end of four to six games. Teddy Keaton in his third season as the Helen joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Coach Keaton, I appreciate your candor. And uh, good luck in terms of getting that scheduled together, and we hope to talk with you further uh, in 2020. Thank you, my friend. You have a great day. Appreciate you as Teddy Keaton, the head football coach of Allen, joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. On tomorrow's HBCU Football Daily Podcast, we're going to take things to Fort Valley, Georgia. Now, it is it is my understanding that the SIAC Council of Presidents are going to vote on tomorrow, going to vote on tomorrow to decide whether the SIAC is going to have a 2020-2021 athletic season. So you will hear Fort Valley State's preview on tomorrow with the new head football coach of the Wildcats, Maurice Flowers. And then moving forward, we still have a couple of interviews in the can with respect to SIAC teams. As a matter of fact, uh, we have successive SIAC teams, Fort Valley State on tomorrow, Albany State on Wednesday, Benedict on Thursday, Clark Atlanta on Friday. We're scheduled to go to Morehouse a week from today. We'll see. We may, you know, we may not, we may switch that up a little bit and just try to talk with the athletics director uh, there at Morehouse uh, to talk about the what the thought process was uh, in the decision in terms of deciding to cancel athletics for 2020, 2021. So we'll let you know about that. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where you can download and listen to the podcast 
at BoxToRow.com. Also, via iHeartMedia. And for those that have iPhones, you can also listen via Apple Podcasts as well. We'll talk with you tomorrow. Put my stove in the bathroom, not the kitchen. Walk in the door, you see six.